Okay, good morning to you and everyone. Um, welcome, <clears throat> pardon me, to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice Emma, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Well, today is Monday. It's May 1st, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. And we're going to be commenting on page 33, paragraphs 2 and paragraphs 3. Paragraph 3. Today's readers will be Anne-Marie M., Mara Z., Anne-Marie M. for the 12 Steps, Mara Z. for the 12 Traditions. And our readers for the text will be Lisa H., Craig F., and Lisa B. Now, our share IDs for, for yesterday, our share ID for yesterday is, <clears throat> that is Sunday, April the 30th, 2017, special edition, is 9891. That's 9891. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Janice. This is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
So, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. And thank you so much, Anne-Marie M. I will now ask Mara Z to please read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning, Janice. Mara Z, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a love in God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. And thank you, Mara Z. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. We, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to resume our study in the big book and we're on page 33 and we're going to comment on paragraph two where it begins, young people may be encouraged and we're going to end at the end of paragraph three stating, but try to get them to see it. And I will now ask our first reader, Lisa H., to begin reading. Good morning. This is Lisa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Tennessee. 
Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it, because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the mental, peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time or take in the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential women alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers, who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their ability, inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. Um, good morning, um, friends, fellows. Um, Lisa H., again, um, I, I mean, thinking back um, as a young person, um, you know, I, I struggled with the food for years and years. And um, this idea of willpower that was, um, you know, encouraged by society and my family and my friends, you know, just push away from the table and just marshal your willpower and, you know, you can lose weight, you can... Um, you know, become like a normal eater. Um, you know, it says, um, you know, some people didn't drink as many, didn't take in the quantities some of us have. You know, I was kind of one of those people that just um, struggled with 25 pounds, but the, um, but the mental obsession drove me back again and again. Um, and I would certainly have been insulted if someone had suggested that I was a compulsive overeater um, because, you know, I was, I was controlling it. Um, but, in, but really I was in denial and I was also in a carbohydrate stupor, if you will. Um, it wasn't until um, I read that the newcomer, you know, they give you a newcomer packet when you come to OA, this pamphlet about being a newcomer and the 15 questions that I realized that I was a compulsive overeater um, and then realized I've got to find out more. Um, I, these people have got something here. I got to, I've got to get, get what they have. Um, and then, you know, I, I love the phrase when the student is ready, the teacher will appear because I was finally ready. Um, I wasn't young anymore. I would say I'm, I'm solidly middle-aged now. And, um, then finding, you know, finding more, I needed to find more about OA. I found, um, I, you know, the big book, which of course had been sitting on my shelf for 30 years at my house, but never thought it applied to me and my compulsive overeating. Um, and so I'm grateful every day for, um, for this big book um, and these steps because I was finally ready to um, put the food down and look at my part. One of the biggest things was um, asking God to help me look at my part because um, that's what really unblocked me. Um, and, and brings me closer to, to my higher power every day. Thanks for letting me share our path. And thank you, Lisa H. Okay, I'm going to open up the meeting to those that would like to share what I do 
is if I hear your name, I'll say it, and then we'll go on to the next one. Um, so we'll have some continuity here. All right, who would like to begin? Nancy H. I heard I heard Nancy H. I heard Lady F. You can just say it once. Madam, I heard you three times, honey. Madam, I heard um Katie. Was that Katie F? Charles H. Yes. Katie F. And I heard Charles H. And I heard Katie G. And we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do those for now. All right. I heard Nancy H. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, that first sentence, young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think they can stop on their own willpower. I always thought that before I came to the program, and I really, um, the part of me that, that wanted to do it myself didn't listen to, you know, people told me, go on a diet. The frothy emotional appeal is what I got. And finally, I said, you know, something's wrong with this picture. I tried everything, all these different societies and whatnot for overeating, and nothing helped. So um, I finally heard about OA and came, and um, I was amazed that there was. I found out what was wrong with me. So I had that peculiar mental twist, but I didn't know it. And now after I got into the program, and 42 years from then, I went on staying in OA, working the program, but not realizing that I couldn't stop and not realizing that how far down the scale I had gone. I was already to the point where I couldn't function, and that to me is a little worse than, uh, you know, just coming in and having having the problem. So I um, came to OA, and after 42 years, I finally realized that I was not going to stop on my own willpower. And I think I fought it more after I came into the program than before because I kept thinking that someday I would be able to do this. And finally I learned that there is no way that I would do it and that I belonged here and that I better work this program and I better get a spiritual awakening because otherwise I was going to be doomed. So I've, I'm very grateful that I came, and I'm also grateful that I listened. It took a while. I was a slow learner, but at least I've got it. For, the, for today, based on my fit spiritual condition, I have that uh, spiritual awakening that allows me to stay out of the food and that allows me to live a life. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. And thank you, Nancy H. Okay, Madam, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Sorry, Janice, I didn't mean to, like, say my name so many times. Um, hi, this is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Uh, young, people may, young people would be encouraged by this man's experience. I came in the rooms when I was 26 years old. That's still relatively young. It's the act of the averages and people in the mid-30s who come in. I didn't want to stop. I wanted to, like, get a, get a perfect food plan or a diet and use the rooms for a dieting and group support. I, didn't, I want to lose weight but then still continue going on compulsively overeating like it was no tomorrow. Still going to the pizzeria, still going to the drive-thrus, you know, D&Ds, all that stuff, because I still I didn't get it in my head that there are certain things that, that my, my, my alcoholic foods, I didn't want to realize that. And people try to slam that home to me all the time, and I didn't want to deal with it. I knew there were some foods I couldn't eat again, but I was in denial about it, trying to get them to see it. That was me. And I've been through so many sponsors in the years, it's because of my own stubbornness that I didn't want to get it. 
and I get it now, but now that I understand the, the nature of the problem, what I have, the, the, the experimental twist on the physical allergy, it's difficult for me to stop completely. I put the food down like this weekend, but this is past Friday. I had a, a major binge with two friends of mine who came down, and I realized I really can't see them that much because they do con- they, they do convince me to binge. And um, I have to see them like once in a while because I'm not ready to see them on a regular basis again. And I didn't have. I was. I was gravely affected. Unfortunately, I was eating amounts enough food for five or six people. Now, when I was binging and when I was putting on the weight, like it was like nothing. I gained. I got myself up to 650 pounds, and that's a lot of. That's a lot of eating. It took a lot of eating to do that. It didn't take very long either. So I'm just grateful that I don't have to be um, the, in, in denial or in, in the in the past anymore. I can live for the future with my my program, the fellows, and my sponsor and my higher power one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. And thank you much, K- um, Matt M. Okay, KDF, it's your turn. Good morning. Mm-hmm. This is KDF. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I just set my timer. So um, this, these paragraphs I identify with so much because I came in, um, went to my first OA meeting when I was 14, and, you know, just thought that it was, crazy what they were talking about with the food. You know, I remember this one woman saying that she was eating cucumbers while she was, you know, preparing something and, and she spit them out. And I, you know, that just sounded so crazy to me. So I had to go back out and prove that I didn't need these rooms. But as this says, we doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already we, we acquired, we'll find he can win out. And so, no, I couldn't win out. I went out and, you know, I tried every diet under the sun for the next seven years and came back to OA when I was 21, still very young. And, um, you know, I fought uh, surrender in the rooms for six more years. Um, I didn't identify with people who had, you know, would talk about the, you know, the way they ate. I didn't eat, I didn't eat that much. So I was still identifying out. Um, I mean, I ate a lot, but not the way they talked about until I did. And, you know, I went back to the food and it was like, you know, an elevator, you know, a a hidden door, like (laughs) the bottom just fell out and I, I could not stop for 11 months. And, you know, when you're 27 years old, um, I guess I was 26, um, 11 months is a long time. And, you know, of just daily eating like these people that I had not been able to identify with previously. So, you know, I, I still have that memory. Now I'm 56 years old. I've been abstinent for a very long time, but I still have that memory like it was yesterday. And I know that this disease is progressive. And it's not um, an option for me to go back and say, you know, well, I'm not really one of these people. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I've recovered and I have a beautiful life today. Is it perfect? No. Do I have to do 10 steps? Yes. Do I have a strong network of people that know me inside and out? Yes. Do I work with newcomers? Yes. You know, all of these things continue one day at a time because there's no graduation. It's continue education. Um, and it had to start with me trying to think that I didn't need this program. And, you know, um, 
I would love to uh, be able to raise the bottom for someone, which I guess, you know, the bottom was raised for me. I was still only 27 years old when the light bulb um, went on, and I'm very grateful, and that will pass. And thank you so much, KDF. Well, good morning to you, Charles H. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your loyal service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow, this is good stuff right here. Um, We doubt if many of them can do it because none of them will really want to. We can even look on the line. For the, be- for the beautiful recovered people, we've been doing jail sentences for most of our life, um, literally. Um, you, you can look at 40 years, uh, maybe 18 out of them. You know, you can look at 17 and 6. You can look at all these numbers. And, um, you know, young people, um, you know, I, I could identify for myself when I was young, um, I thought I knew it all, even on this line. I'm like, yo, these people are overdramatic. They're going crazy. This thing ain't really killing me. But even seeing people in my community dying over this disease, young people, if you listen to Phil D from yesterday, you know, the experiences that we see, you know, in these big cities, we see people and we know in our heart, oh, maybe they might be one of us. But we that we can't tell them because just imagine, <laughs> I'll take myself, like, for example, oh, you should stop doing that. You shouldn't do that. Young people think they can outrun the four. Young people think that, um, you know, because even some of the comments that we make on the line that, you know, maybe I can control it by not eating at all. Maybe I can control this thing, and they die too. So let's look at both sides of the spectrum, right? And let's look at our, our history, and let's look to get some spiritual energy to be like, you know what? Thank you, God. Now I see why people are so grateful because they know this is a life and death errand every single day. <clears throat> young people, I'll close with this. I was playing basketball with a young person, and he was saying some words that back in the day it would have been a conversation, but but the wisdom that I got from agents, I just let it rock. I let it rock because I see up the road. It would have been drama. It would have been some other stuff. And, uh, you know, that's from experience. I learned from my experience, so I thank God for the experience. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, good morning to you, Katie G. Good morning, Janice. Can I be heard? You can. Good. I'm starting my timer. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. Love hearing you guys. Um, I mean, I love this, right? To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take quantities some of us have. I mean, look, I um, I spent a lot of time outside the room and in the rooms not identifying with simply being a compulsive overeater. Like, for me, there was so much more going on. And, um, and what was so confusing for me is that um, the manifestation of my disease was so different, especially in the rooms. I could hear people saying, I'm binging, I'm binging, I'm binging, and I would, uh, you know, in my place of smug superiority, someone's unmuted, could you please could you please remute? In my place of smug superiority, I'm like looking down on you, taking laxatives, exercising bulimically, just as completely out of control, right? So you hear, okay, well, Katie, what you're saying, it sounds so divisive. Why are you saying that? Because that's not what this is about, right? 
I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And just because my allergy of the body happens to be anorexia, bulimia, and, and compulsive overeating, and exercise addiction, and laxatives, and the list goes on and on and on, the biggest problem is this peculiar mental twist, right? And what is this twist? What's a twist? It's a distortion. I have this odd distortion. And I can't win out. Like, A, I am a, I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And, and, I, and my life is unmanageable, right? And B, no human power, KDG, no human power. And C, that God can and will if he is sought. And so, you know, I think what I love, again, you guys, this book is so beautiful. Like, it always finds this way to capture me in, right? Like, I'm on the edges. I'm saying, no, no, no. And then it says, come back, KDG. Are you sure? I think we got you. And it does get me, right? Because I don't need to be, you know, um, 600 pounds. I don't need to be 20 pounds on this line dying with a tube feed in, right, in order to, to, to be one of us, right? Like it, you get to identify if you have this allergy to the body, this mental obsession that you can be walking along thinking you're doing okay, and then boom, your face is down in the food, right? And, and, and if you're licked, you know, the best part about this program is that when I was early on in the steps coming out of relapse, all I knew was this desperation of, hey, sponsor, I don't know. I can't do it. Everything I've done, everything KDG has done is broken, and, and there has to be something because everything I've done is not working, and yet my heart is still beating, and, and I'm still here. Tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. And so I am so blessed to be part of this great unifying group that we all get to come together, and we don't have to have willpower because you know what? Our God of our understanding is going to do it one more day, and with that, I pass. And thank you so much, KDG. Okay, just a reminder that we're on page 33. We're commenting on paragraph two about young people and paragraph three. Who else would like to start the next group? Deborah R. Deborah R. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay. Leia Leia S. S. Elizabeth M. And Elizabeth M. Those, that's the group we'll go with right now. Thank you, each one. Deborah R., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Deborah R., and um, I'm just grateful to be here and working this program and be reminded that, you know, young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did, on their own willpower. Well, I was a young kid at one time and thought I could stop, but I could not. And it's a very um, devastating disease. It took a while to sink through to my heart. Um, my intellect could understand, and my intellect said I could handle this myself, um, and I could not um, it's a process, and I'm glad that the founders and those that went before them said, you know, there are many years that they are, they don't have to go through what we did if we can help them understand that they're already hooked, that they've already got the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. Um, and 
I'm not for sure why women they say is particularly true, but the potential female alcoholic often turns into the real thing. Um, but whatever it takes, this disease is relentless and unforgiving and will continue to beat me down until I totally surrender. And um, I am glad to be of service, to have a chance to um, honor the legacies of AA, of recovery, of unity, of service, and to share my experience, strength, and hope in helping anyone um, that may want to explore this wonderful journey of recovery. Um, And with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Deborah R. Okay, good morning to you, Melissa C. It's your turn. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, the thought that um, we would be encouraged um, by, you know, the ability to stop on our own willpower by this um, guy's story, um, I I could certainly identify. I I was encouraged by my own ability to stop at times by willpower, you know, until, until it really did not exist for me anymore. But my experience was, you know, in my early 20s, I came into OA, um, and I had a list of goals that my weight and my eating were in the way of. And um, so I made up my mind, you know, I got a little bit of information. Um, I I found out, um, you know, from OA and from myself that certain foods were the enemy, you know, and so... Um, if I could just avoid those foods, um, I'd be fine. And, you know, it worked for a while, you know, until that peculiar mental twist. You know, it was like almost, I, I, almost five years, three or you know, three to five years. And, um, you know, I got the list of goals that I had from, you know, I lost weight. And so I, you know, I'm saying I, 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 because that's really what it was. I was still run on self-will. And um, and I got the list of things that I wanted. And so, hey, maybe you're making too much of this problem. You know, I didn't know those words at the time, but that's what came across my head. Um, you look normal. You have a job. You got a husband. You, you're, you've got a home. Um, have some of this. You know, um, this won't hurt me. Here's how. And what was, you know, uh, unbelievable was that the disease had progressed all the while that I had been keeping away from those foods, that my disease was growing more and more powerful. So that that one little bite um, sent me out of control again, and I could not. I could not gather up the willpower that I had just had, that I had just relied on what seemed like the day before was completely gone. And um, and so I kept trying over and over. And what strikes me here as well is that, um, you know, why would you want to stop if it's not a problem yet? You know, and that's sort of what it's saying here. Like if it's not a problem yet, um, you could you might be able to still stop. 
But, um, you know, when it was still working for me, when it was still giving me the ease and comfort uh, without the severe consequences, I still kept turning to it. But when the ease and comfort, you know, that was re- that I needed to take in more and more food to get that ease and comfort, and I could not even get it with huge quantities, then I knew I was left, and I knew I was screwed. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, good morning to you, Leah S. Please, it's your turn. Thank you so much, Annis. This is Leah S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Brooklyn. Um, what is that mental twist? The mental twist for me is not acknowledging what I am and who I'm able, uh, who I am and what I'm able to consume and deluding myself uh, completely and uh, justifying my actions. I'm going into a restaurant and I'm just going to have the salads because they make the best salads and I'm only going to have that dietetic thing and I'm only going to have that. Until the day came when someone said, isn't that a huge portion for one person to consume? Don't you know that the restaurants give you a whole lot more than what a person really can take? That's their trick. And um, I deluded myself. I just, you know, I, I, I just got up and I said, you know what, give me a doggy bag and I'll do that, you know so that I, do, I save faith for myself. But it's the delusion that I had talked myself into not facing and not until, until I had to face it. And I realized how many more lies are you going to tell yourself, Leah? This is the mental twist for me just just justifying it and 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 saying it's okay until i do face it and do understand it is impossible for me to do this it still is impossible it's only my higher power that is able to take that obsession and that mental twist and that kind of thinking is danger for me and with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Leah S. Okay, good morning, Tina. Tina S., I believe. Thanks, Janice, for your service. Uh, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, great meeting. Thanks for the shares. You know, I really belong. And, uh, you know, I, too, was, uh, you know, for me, I guess it was young. I came in when I was 30. Uh, I'm now 59. And uh, when I first came in, uh, because prior to that, I just thought I had to live my life, uh, you know, in either eating or not eating, whatever worked, at, whatever was what I was doing at the time. Because one worked for a period of time, then it didn't. So then I'd go to the eating, and it didn't work, and you know, back and forth and back and forth. So you know, I was introduced um, to OA through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in a different state in uh, 1987, and and uh, you know the people in the in the treatment center and all all the stuff that the whoever was uh, teaching this book uh, and how to you know eat 
successfully uh, so many meals a day um, and to live your life without compulsive eating. You know, I thought, wow, that sounds pretty great, but, you know, that's pretty drastic, don't you think? And, you know, and I'm smarter than all that, let me just tell you you know, my selfish and self-centeredness, you know, I'm, I was above all that. I really didn't have to do all that work, you know, because, you know, I am better than you all, you know, and, and you know, and I, and I know, and I didn't consciously think this stuff, but I'm sure that's the way that I acted, you know, because I was in this treatment center and these people were in groups and I was out laying out getting a tan and playing some basketball, didn't even attend the groups because I am better than you. And, um, you know, so, you know, I got the diet plan and I was off, you know, and, um, and it worked, you know, the diet worked because I was, I'm a great dieter until I'm not, you know. And, um, you know, so then I came back in when I was 41, you know, so, and, and this time, um, you know, I had to do something different. You know, some of the same people that, that I knew from OA, that this, the sparse meetings I went to back in uh, 80, the 80s, you know, were still here. And this one woman particularly, and she was doing this thing out of the big book. You know, and I, you know, I'm familiar with the big book. I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous, but I thought, you know, food, come on. That's, you know, too small for God. Um, and, you know, the opportunity that I have today, one day at a time, is to share my experience, strength, and hope with the young people that come into the rooms. And I do that. And I say specifically, if you think you're better than this, you might want to really take a good look at that. And, um, you know, I know I'm rambling, but what some great stuff this is. And, and I'm grateful to be here. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Tina S. Okay, Elizabeth M., it's your turn. Hi, this is Elizabeth M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Hampshire. Thank you, Janice, for your service. Can you hear me okay? I can. Great, let me start my time. Okay, um, well, there are a couple things in these paragraphs that I really identify in with. First of all, the great I was certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics. When I was 30 and I was in Boston and I was doing very well in my life, except I was crazy in the food. So I finally went to see a therapist and she said to me that what I really needed was Overeaters Anonymous. And I cannot tell you how insulted I was. I couldn't believe anyone would say that to me. I wasn't even that sure what it was. I thought it must be like AA. So I did go to one meeting and Cambridge had a huge OA meeting back then. And I sat in the very back row, and I arrived at about the time that they were saying the serenity prayer at the end. And I continued to think that this was simply crazy. So what I didn't understand, of course, was throughout the years, and I would drop into OA periodically, uh, my disease, especially my mental obsession, was progressing. And when I look at this word on the, in the first paragraph, the peculiar mental twist, I really want to talk about that for me for a minute because what I never understood was that the mental twist, which is another word for the mental obsession, um, I didn't understand the power of the mental obsession. What I didn't understand, and it, would just, it just came crashing in on me once I, I understood it, is that when the mental obsession or the mental twist overtakes me, I have no other thoughts available. I could have a postdoctorate in addiction studies and I wouldn't be able to access those thoughts. So all I can think about in that moment is eating. And I am driven back to the food because of that twist. None of my reasoning, none of my memories, none of my understanding of what this does to me is available to me because I only have that one giant driving thought, which is to go to the food. And in that moment, my intellect is useless. 
And I am so grateful today that because of the plan of recovery in this book and working these 12 steps and living in 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis, that mental obsession for today is lifted. I don't fall into the mental twist as long as I do the work of program, the work of recovery. I can't sit in rooms where tools are a very big part of the program. I do work the tools. But that's not enough for me, given the progressive nature of this disease and how strong my mental obsession is. So I'm so grateful that I'm free for today of the mental twist as long as I do my work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Elizabeth M. Okay. We still have time. So who would like to begin? Reva P. Nessa R. I I hear Reva P. And I hear Nessa R. Anyone else? Craig F. Craig. Craig F. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Next. After Cynthia Craig F. I'm sorry. Who was that? Cynthia. I hear Cynthia C. And one more. Harlan G. And I hear Holland G. Okay, let's go with those. Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Um, These paragraphs, again, reinforce to me about what this paragraph is trying to tell me over and over and over again, because to me, this paragraph is about people who were able to be sober for a short period of time or a long period of time, people who maybe started some of the steps, um, but then all of a sudden, um, the mental twist kicked in and they were right back where they started. Um, And it's trying to drive home to me and remind me that as long as I think I can control anything, the food, anybody else in my life, anything else going on um, outside of myself, that I am doomed. And I love the fact that it says to be gravely affected, I don't have to drink as so much as other people, I don't have to be the same weight as other people, I don't have to do exactly what they're doing, but that I can still belong here. And it says in the um, 12 and 12 that, you know, over time, alcoholics who still had their health, their families, their jobs, and even two cars in the garage began to recognize their alcoholism and get recovered. And they were joined by young people who were scarcely more than potential alcoholics, and those people were spared the last 10 or 15 years of literal hell. So the bottom is when I say it's my bottom. Um, And it's just so brilliant how it's telling me I won't want to believe that this is me. I will want to identify out. I will think that if I don't do this plan, I can do that plan, and it's going to work for me. Um, And I think it's just fantastic to be convinced nothing else is going to work um, and it's like that with the food and with everything else and with that I pass thank you Reva P okay Nessa R good morning to you it's your turn hi good morning good morning vision for you uh, it's Nessa R recovered in Toronto Canada so as has been said uh, several times before One of the accomplishments of AA and this big book is that the bottom was raised. Um, You know, and yet we come into these rooms um, because we have tried everything else. Um, 
that we've tried and nothing really has worked, at least not on an enduring, sustainable basis. You know, I, I was able to stick to diet and lose weight and even keep it up for a little bit of time until I couldn't anymore. And then I came into these rooms. Um, and, you know, we all come in looking for, for a solution, but we, I mean, at least for me, uh, I came in looking for a magic pill, for the magic solution that would enable me to eat all the cheesecake I wanted and still be thin. You know, uh, nobody comes into OA as the first thing they try to lose weight. It's not like, oh, I have to, 10 pounds to lose, let's try OA. You know, as, as you said in this line, you know, nobody comes here on a winning streak. And yet, you know, we try to identify out. It is human nature to try to find an easier, softer way. You know, because, you know, this program is a lot of work. And these are drastic proposals. And the big book uses the word drastic in um, two or three places because this is a drastic disease. You know, the truth is that if, if I could have done it alone, I would have done it already and I wouldn't be here. I would not be here. I would be out there, you know, without having to invest the amount of time and effort that I do every single day to stay well. But the bottom line is I couldn't. And I came in, I, I wasn't as bad as all of you guys. I only had 70 pounds to lose. I didn't have 200 pounds to lose. I never ate things out of the garbage. I never ate burnt things. I never ate anything frozen that wasn't meant to be frozen. I never ate anything that was raw, um, you know. Uh, but yet I, was, I, I still came in. And I came in because I was hopeless just like everybody else who has come in. Um, but my nature said, oh, well, because I'm not this bad, I don't have to do all this. But guess what? I tried that for nine years, and it didn't work. You know, it didn't work until I started really uh, working the program the way it was outlined in the big book, in entire abstinence, in sequence, following the precise instructions. Why? Because I have a drastic disease of mind and body, and it requires drastic measures. And you know what? Now it's five and a half years under my belt. I don't think so drastic anymore. You know, I've, I've incorporated them into my life, or, or actually better, I have, I have structured my life around my program, and it doesn't seem so time-consuming anymore. It is not as difficult. It is just part of my routine, part of my day, and I love it. And I love the freedom that it offers. Thank you, because the structure that the program outlines really, um, really gave me the freedom that I have today freedom from the food slavery, and I pass. And thank you, Nessa. Uh, okay, Greg F., good morning. It's your turn. Hi, this is Craig F., uh, recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, I, I read this, and I'm, I'm thinking about um, uh, the fantasy that I have that, uh, you know, gosh, I wish I'd have found this program when I was, 20 or 19 or, you know, young enough that I didn't have to suffer the effects of the disease so long. And, and the truth of the matter is I was uh, so hard-headed uh, and so convinced of my own uh, uh, 
ego, uh, so convinced of my own uh, uh, self-driven abilities that I wouldn't have been able to hear this program, even if uh, somebody would have set me down and made me listen for five days. Um, you know, and even coming in at 39, um, I, I, uh, I heard that first step, you know, I'm powerless over food. My life has become unmanageable. And what I heard was I've powerless over food and my weight's become unmanageable. And what I thought was, oh, good, this program is going to teach me how to get my power back. This is the program that's going to teach me how to, uh, to you know, some sort of psycho babble, uh, 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 self-diagnosis to figure out why I'm eating and to get rid of it and fix it, and I'll, I'll have power again. And and I wouldn't have said that out loud, but it, that was the lurking notion that I had is that somehow uh, I could uh, uh, figure my way out of this, and then I would have power over the food again. And that's not what the pro- program promises. The program uh, never says I'll get power back. It says that uh, I'm powerless, but there is a solution, and that solution is in surrender to a power greater than myself. And, you know, I had to be kicked down to where I had to be kicked down to, and it's that's different for everybody. But I had to be kicked down to a bottom before I could see that, and, and my ego was reduced enough that I could accept the fact that I'll never be powerful. I'll never have that power again. I mean, no matter how many fat pictures of myself I hang on the refrigerator door, no matter how uh, often I remind myself of what I want uh, out of life and what it's being taken away from me, no matter what frothy emotional appeal that others and myself give me, that uh, that I have to be in surrender today and I have to be uh, in surrender to that loving God that has power in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Craig F. Okay, Cynthia C., it's your turn. Hi, this is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Um, Thank you for your service. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. Um, I really, really relate into these paragraphs. Um, I had kind of a spiritual experience in my very early 20s, which brought me to OA. Um, uh, And um, when I came into OA, that was back in the late 80s, very late 80s, um, there was no real abstinence in the meetings I was going to in the area I was living in. Um, but I created a whole group of friends and program where there was a level of honesty with people that I had never, I had never had before. And we were all in the struggle together, but I really felt like I wasn't finding my abstinence and I wasn't moving forward in program the way I knew that I should and the way that the promises said. And so I started going to AA meetings because I knew there people were really, there was a lot of recovery in the room. And after two weeks, I found myself drinking alcoholically and I stopped drinking. Um, and so, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't find at that point the recovery I needed in the rooms of OA. So I, I focused my program. I did OA, but I focused my step work on AA. Um, and then I moved and I went to another OA meeting, and and there was a woman in that meeting, she was the only one who had that spark in her eye. Everybody else had that glazed look when you're in the food, and one woman had the spark in her eye, and she was abstinent through another 12-step program, but was going to OA meetings because there were no programs from that group there, 
and I and I followed what she did. And so for three years, I had very strong abstinence, and I went to AA meetings all the time. Um, you know, and I and so that was very early on. I was I had I hadn't been obese at that point. I had been overweight, but I found recovery and I found it strong and I worked the steps. Um, and then comes three years later, I move again. Um, I'm not finding good meetings in the area at that point. And I meet my husband and I move into a different sort of community and I, and I lose it. And I lose my abstinence and I stop going to meetings. And in, in the first year of our marriage where I just sort of floundered, I gained 60 pounds in that first year. You know, I came in and I got recoveries very early on. You know, and I and then I lost it. And in in, a, in one year, I gained sixty pounds. This disease was sitting there and waiting for me to let my guard up. It was waiting for me to 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 disconnect from from God. And you know, it's now twenty years later that I'm back in program. And as soon as I got back in, as soon as I heard people talking, you know, it felt like being home. You know, hearing the step work. I'm now 10, 11 days with my 11th day of abstinence, and I just feel very grateful. So thank you all for your support. And thank you so much, Cynthia C. Okay, Harlan G. can wrap it up. Good morning. Please Good go morning. Thank you. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to thank Janice Team Monday, everybody, for making this fantastic meeting possible. It says in the doctor's opinion that in order for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. And I agree with that. That's 100% true in my observation. But there's also a timing that is so critical. I have struggled with weight my entire life. I have been bludgeoned and beaten down by this illness from the time I was a little boy. I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I went on my first date with a girl when I was 35 years old. I have seen people coming into these rooms that you would think would be as ready as ready could be, and they're not. Frequently, I see people who go 10 and 15 and 20 years between their first meeting and their second meeting. And if there's anything I know, it's that there is a cosmic timeliness to the message being delivered. We have to be at a point where we have been beaten down and the fear of more eating must outweigh the fear of letting the food go. We have to be ready, and that can take longer than we think it's going to. There are three enemies of recovery that I have seen rear their ugly head in the decades I've been here, health, wealth, and youth. And if there's one area that we have, not one, but one of the areas, not the one, but one of the areas that we have failed, it is in transmitting this message to younger people. We are not just Overeaters Anonymous in many areas. We are Older Eaters Anonymous in many areas because it takes what it takes for the person to be bludgeoned down by this illness so that they will cry uncle and surrender. 
I hope that that will change. I hope we will find a way to convey this message to younger people because they are suffering. I suffered from this illness from the time I was a child, and there are millions and millions that are out there suffering, but we have to get a way of getting them to see it, and only God can make that possible. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. And thank you so much, Colin G. Let me make sure. Thank you, everyone uh, who has shared. Um, I'm going to give you the share ID for today. That is Monday, May 1st, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting. The share ID is 9893. That's 9893. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, it's Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Good, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with God is right and with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.